Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 334. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for joining me in 2022. Or if you're listening to this later, thank you for joining me in 2023 or 2024 or or even further in the future, which is somehow hard to envision. Uh, I, I'm glad you're here to listen to this last show of 2022. Um it is uh, inspired by something that happened to me a long, long time ago, but curiously seemed to uh, speak to a lot of people, interestingly. So I'm, uh, I'm glad it sort of came back around. It just popped into my head one day, and I thought I should write about it. And, uh, and here it is. It is called A Moment with Ferlinghetti. Maybe it's the weather today, which has a kind of air that feels like San Francisco. But for whatever reason, I flashbacked to the time I met Lawrence Ferlinghetti. It was my first time in San Francisco, and I'd already been to City Lights, hoping to lay eyes on him, this poet who'd inspired me in my teens. I used to make artworks out of his poems. I'd photocopy my favorites, paste them to a newspaper front page, and paint around them. She was very earnest, teen Emily. Anyway, early 20s Emily was in San Francisco, trying to follow the way of the beats, drinking cappuccinos in North Beach and hanging out at City Lights. And I don't remember if I knew Ferlinghetti was going to be at this restaurant nearby or he just happened to turn up. But I sat furiously writing in a booth a few tables away until I could work up the courage to go ask him for an autograph. In those days, I was writing on brown paper bags that I'd made into signatures that I then stitched into the book cover I'd made out of an old olive oil can. I'd fill up the book, cut out the pages, and then start all over again. I figured I'd ask Ferlinghetti to sign my notebook, as it was all I had with me and I knew I'd savor it in its context. It would always be in this moment, the time I met Ferlinghetti while I was writing in San Francisco. I worked up the courage, offered up the front page of my homemade notebook, and asked him to sign it. He took hold of it, and he said, Is this where you write all your great thoughts? Or something to that effect. And then he proceeded to flip through it. The horror I felt that he might somehow read some unprepared, unguarded bit of writing that was not meant for him. I was mortified. Then he signed the front page and it was all over. And yes, I treasured that page, but always with a sense of shame that I couldn't really identify. I tried to just feel pleased, but it was complicated in ways I couldn't put my finger on. Now, in my 40s, I recognize that I was being patronized. Now, I know that I felt shame because the great poet, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, took one look at me and my homemade notebook and knew I had no great thoughts, just aspirations. Silly girl. And now... As an artist in my 40s, I also recognize it as a fairly gendered experience. 
It likely wasn't just my youth, my quirky clothes, or my weirdo notebook that made him think my great ideas weren't worth much. It's likely that it was the simple fact of my being a young woman, or just a woman. The Beats weren't feminist. (laughs) Not in any way. I'd already read Joyce Johnson's minor characters about hanging around the Beats when she was Jack Kerouac's girlfriend. I knew that girls weren't welcome in this particular clubhouse. But it took me ages to put together that this would mean I would never be seen by this sort of artist as a fellow artist. I would never be taken seriously by most male artists, I understand now. I try to imagine what would have happened if I'd been a young man in this situation with Ferlinghetti. Maybe he would have been just as patronizing. It's hard to know from here. I think, though, if I could go back in time and talk to my earnest 20-something self after this event, I'd like to tell her a few things about what I see now. Dear 20-something Emily, Yes, he was a great writer, and of course you admire him. But... That doesn't give him the right to just open up your journal and rifle through it. It's not his book. You offered him a page to sign, and he treated your book with no respect. He did not ask your permission. He did not get your consent. It was not a kind way to engage with a young writer. Let's imagine a younger writer came to you with their notebook and asked you to sign it. Would you laugh about their great ideas and flip through their precious notebook without their permission? Never. Not in a million years. He had power, and he used it to make you feel shame. He could have used it to buoy you up, but he did not do that. I wish he had. A little boost from the great Ferlinghetti might have given you some extra confidence that you sorely needed at the time, but he chose not to do that. He was kind of a dick to you. But you're not ready to recognize this sort of behavior yet. You'll understand later. It sucks, and I'm sorry. I wish you'd meet someone with some power who could boost you instead of patronize you, but this is not that moment. Here's where you start to learn how to boost yourself. It'll serve you well. Keep doing it. Love yourself from decades down the line. So this post ended up being kind of fodder for the one that came next. They they are a little bit intertwined, but you'll have to wait for 2023 for that one to, to uh, appear in the podcast feed. It is what's coming next. Um, but it was, it was a, a funny bit of timing that this particular memory bubbled up in the moment that it did. Um, yeah. And if you would like to see the notebook of which I speak here, uh, it, it should be in the podcast photo, sometimes the, um, depending on your app, you might not see those, but I will upload it so you can see it. Um, but if you can't see it in your podcast app, you can check it out on the blog. That's artiststruggle.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, so 
I was going to do, I was working on a Sarah Borella song called King of Anything, but it just wasn't quite right. Because, you know, it has a kind of like a nice angry feminist vibe. Um, but it just like it just felt a little bit. It just felt super off. Like it has nothing to do with this particular moment of being patronized, and um, it has more bite than I really want for this moment. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna save that one for another time. But uh, so I've you know in the future look forward to King of Anything. But what I realized is, if the, he's a poet. Ferlinghetti's a poet. I was like, oh, maybe there's some some like poems that are set to music. And I found a recording of him reading his work, which was cool. And then I realized, like, oh, he was he was a beat, although he does not think of himself as a beat. But in any case, he did a bunch of stuff with musicians. Like he did a lot of reading along to jazz. Um, so I I will be reading a Ferlinghetti poem shortly and have uh, enrolled my um, resident uh, jazz musician to uh, give me some support on this thing, which has been super fun. Um, So you'll hear that in just a moment. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, thank you. That is awesome. Please tell someone about it if you get a chance. Um, if you'd like to support it with your dollars, there's patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. There's also Kofi. There's PayPal. All those links are in the show notes. Um, but mostly I appreciate your ears on this thing. And, and I am grateful for any sharing or just listening, really. So thank you. Um, and I'm just tickled to be able to share this little, little nugget of a poem with you. This was one of my favorites as a youth. I believe this was the poem that I made some art with. Uh, I think I did it with this one and with another, um, I am waiting is the other one, but I did not do that one. This one is called, um, the world is a beautiful place. And, uh, I'm going to, yeah, so it features Scott Eat the Air playing some jazz, me reading Ferlinghetti's poem, and uh, Happy New Year to all of you. I'll see you uh, in The world is a beautiful place to be born into. If you don't mind happiness not always being so very much fun. If you don't mind a touch of hell now and then, just when everything is fine, because even in heaven, they don't sing all the time. The world is a beautiful place to be born into. If you don't mind some people dying all the time, or maybe only starving some of the time, which isn't half so bad if it isn't you. Oh, the world is a beautiful place to be born into. If you don't much mind a few dead minds in the higher places, or a bomb or two now and then in your upturned faces, or such other improprieties as our name brand society is prey to, with its men of distinction, and its men of extinction, and its priests and other patrolmen, 
and its various segregations and congressional investigations and other constipations that our fool flesh is heir to. Yes, the world is the best place of all for a lot of such things as making the fun scene and making the love scene and making the sad scene and singing low songs of having inspirations and walking around looking at everything and smelling flowers and goosing statues and even thinking and kissing people and making babies and wearing pants and waving hats and dancing and going swimming in rivers on picnics in the middle of the summer and just generally living it up. Yes, but then right in the middle of it, comes the smiling mortician. <laughs> <laughs>